and 104. Joy to the world, the Lord is come. Let earth receive her King. Let every heart prepare Him room. And heaven and nature sing, and heaven and nature sing, and heaven and heaven and nature sing. Joy to the earth, the Savior reigns. Let men their songs employ. Wild fields and floods, rocks, hills, and plains. Repeat the sounding joy, repeat the sounding joy. Repeat, repeat the sounding joy. No more let sins and sorrows grow nor thorns infest the ground. He comes to make his blessings flow, far as the curse is found, far as the curse is found, far as, far as the curse is found. He rules the world with truth and grace and makes the nations the glories of his righteousness and wonders of his love and wonders of his love and wonders wonders of his love amen and turn to page 155 155 at calvary years i spent in vanity and pride Caring not, my Lord was crucified Knowing not it was for me He died on Calvary Mercy there was great and grace was free And there was multiplied to me There my burdened soul found liberty At Calvary by God's word at last my sin I learned Then I tremble at the law I'd spurn Hail my guilty soul imploring Turn to Calvary Mercy there was great and grace was free Pardon there was multiplied to me There my burdened soul found liberty at Calvary Now I've given to Jesus everything Now I gladly own him as my king Now my rapture soul can only sing Of Calvary Let's sing that Mercy there was great and grace was free Pardon there was multiplied to me there, my burdened soul found liberty at Calvary. Oh, the love that drew salvation's plan. Oh, the grace that brought it down to man. Oh, the mighty gulf that God did spend at Calvary. Mercy there was great and grace was free. Pardon there was multiplied to me. There my burdened soul found liberty at Calvary. 
Amen. I want to read just one verse and then we'll pray. But God, who is rich in mercy for his great love, wherewith he loved us. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we come before you this morning and we ask once again for your blessings upon this time. Lord, we understand that we can schedule the time for a service, that we can meet together, we can sing the hymns, but Lord, if the Holy Spirit does not have freedom to work in our hearts and lives, this time is just empty. Lord, we ask that that would not be the case this morning. We ask that you would help us to work together to bring praise and worship to your most precious name. Help give us understanding of your word. Give us understanding of how we should live in this world that we may bring praise to your holy name. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right. Let's turn to page 111 now. Turn to song 111, Silent Night, Holy Night. Beautiful Christmas song. Silent night, holy night, all is calm, all is bright, round yon virgin mother and child, holy infant so tender and Savior is born. 
Amen. Now let's turn to song 818, past the index, 818, great is thy faithfulness. Amen. 818. Great is thy faithfulness, O God, my Father. There is no shadow of turning with thee. Thou changest not thy compassions, they fail not. As thou hast been, thou forever wilt be. Great is thy faithfulness, great is thy faithfulness. For in thy morning new mercies I see. All I have needed, thy hand hath provided. Great is thy faithfulness, Lord, unto Summer and winter and springtime and harvest, sun, moon, and stars in their courses above. Join with all nature in manifold witness to thy great faithfulness, mercy. Let's sing it together. Great is thy faithfulness. Great is thy faithfulness. Morning by morning new mercies I see. All I have needed thy hand hath provided. Great Pardon for sin and the peace that endureth Thy own dear presence to cheer and to guide Strength for today and bright hope for tomorrow Blessings on mine with ten thousand let him hear you. Great is thy faithfulness. Great is thy faithfulness. Morning by morning new mercies I see. All I have needed thy hand hath provided. And just before the message this morning, we're going to have a special song. Uh, I need to copy the words. Andrew, if you'll point the words for Brother John there. And uh, 
This song is Beautiful Star of Bethlehem, and uh, Brother Ted was supposed to sing the lead this morning, and uh, he came in going, Hi, how are you? So uh, we got a last-minute improvisation here, so uh, we hope the words of the song are blessing this morning. A beautiful star of Bethlehem, shining afar through shadows dim, giving a light for those who long have gone, and guiding the wise men on their way unto the place where Jesus lay. Beautiful star of Bethlehem, shine on. Oh, beautiful star, beautiful star of Bethlehem, shine upon us until the glory. if you would, and turn to the book of Ephesians, and we'll have the children dismissed for the children's church at this time. Brother Franz is going to be with you today, so make sure and follow the leader there. He is coming back to get you. Ephesians chapter 2, and... uh, If you want a subject for this morning's message, it is simply the love of God, the love that God has loved us with. And uh, we have a lot of speech today. A lot of people love, uh, people just love to talk about God's love. Amen. I mean, that is a wonderful subject, is it not? And uh, 
we, we have a tendency to forget that that same God who loved us so much is also a God of judgment. And love without boundaries, if you stop and just really investigate it, if you do not set some limits, some boundaries, love without boundaries is nothing but slavery. And God is not ever going to be any man's slave. He is not there for us to just go to like we do a soda machine and said, well, I've done all these bad things. I'll put in a couple of quarters and, and pull the lever and I'll get out what I want. And uh, when God doesn't do what we say, we go and we kick the machine and we shake it real hard and we say, you're, you're not doing what I want you to do. Now, that's, that's not love. Uh, ladies, I hope you wouldn't put up with that if your husband treated you that way. Amen. And, and husbands, I, I hope that you don't have... Uh, I hope you'd have more character than to want to treat your wife that way. Amen? I mean, if all you were, if your relationship was about was getting from each other things you wanted, that wouldn't last very long, now would it? Because we want somebody that cares about us as individuals, do we not? We want to have the privilege to care about someone else. And the reason why we human beings like to do good things for other people is because we're created in the image of God. Now, we've marred that image. That's what sin's all about. But there's enough of that image left, there's enough of that uh, uh, likeness of the Lord left that we love to do good things for other people. I mean, there are very, very few people in this world they get up in the morning and their only design is to hurt and inflict punishment and pain in other people's lives. Now, they're out there for sure. But you have to serve the devil an awful long time to get that bad. Most people, most people want to help somebody else. Do they not? We get an amen on that? Now, if you don't, say, oh, me, and let's get that thing right. Amen. But, I mean, that's, that's within the human heart. And the reason why it's there is because we're created in the image of God, and God does good things. And, of course, the greatest thing that God has ever done is our salvation. And that's what this passage talks about here in Ephesians chapter 2. And, and let's just start here in verse 1. It says, And you hath he quickened who were dead in trespasses and sins, wherein in time past he walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience, among whom also we all had our conversation in, in times past, in the lust of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature the children of wrath, even as others. Now, I want to stop right here before we get to the good part and just look at what is said here. It said, And you hath he quickened who were dead in trespasses and sins. The first thing you must know about God's love 
is number one, you either were dead or are dead. There are no other choices. You were born dead. You say, well, wait a minute, wait a minute. No, I was born alive. Yeah, you were born alive physically, yes. But you were born dead spiritually. You were born in the image of Adam. And we're not going to take time to go through that, but you go through Genesis chapter 5, the first three verses there. It says that Adam was created in the image of God, but when Adam had a son, his son was born in the image of Adam. And the reason why the wording is there is because that properly describes the simple fact that Adam was no longer in the image of God. There was this thing called sin that had entered in in Genesis chapter 3. Adam had chosen to rebel against God. Now, if I hear one more preacher get up and say, well, if Eve hadn't only sinned, I think I'm just going to spit on the carpet. I don't know. And that's not polite. That's not the right way to do it. But it makes me uh, angry when I hear foolish statements like that because, listen, every one of us in this room have done exactly what Adam and Eve did in the garden of God. We have chosen to rebel against God. We have chosen sin. It happens at different times in different people's lives. But you don't have to study a child very long to know that they were born sinners. Let me ask you a question. Who taught you to lie? Do we have anybody in here that had to be taught how to lie? We're at least honest this morning, aren't we? No hands are going up. It comes natural to us, doesn't it? Nobody had to teach you to do wrong. You chose it out of your own heart. And when you did, you sealed that death because that sin is now on your record. God said, you hath he quickened. Now, that word quickened has nothing to do with the computer accounting program, okay? Uh, I mean, you've got to bring things where they are. I mean, it used to be when you said quicken, it meant to hurry up. Uh, now, the word quicken is talking about computer accounting. I mean, QuickBooks and, and, and Quicken and Quicken Pro and all of those different computer programs. Uh, the word quicken really has nothing to do with either hurrying up or accounting. It means to be made alive. Now, when I was a little kid, my mom used to clip my fingernails, and every once in a while I'd move when she was clipping, and she'd get a little too close. You know what they call that? They call it cutting into the quick. That means uh, there's no longer the dead fingernail. You're getting live flesh. Uh, that hurts. Follow what we're talking about here? And uh, uh, the, the issue is God says, You hath he quickened or made alive who were dead in trespasses and sin. And it goes on to explain here, as Paul is writing to the Ephesians, 
He said, in time past, this is the way you lived. You lived in sin. Now, now look how he describes it. I, you know, the Bible is a wonderful book because it tells us everything about ourselves without giving all the gory and salacious and flirtatious details. You know, you listen to the news, and they're hardly a news broadcast that they aren't telling some uh, dirty story in the news, even on the radio today. Uh, so-and-so did this, and so on, and, and they love to give the details. You know why? Because people like dirty things. I mean, if they use certain words, you turn the radio up. Hey, yeah, what's, what are they talking about there? You say, no, that's not me. Uh, well, then you've trained yourself. But the natural man, the natural person desires those things. It's just part of our nature. And we, and it testifies that what Paul said, look what he says here. He said, among whom also we have, verse 3, our conversation in times past in the lust of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of our mind, of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature the children of wrath, even as others. Now, if I worded that a little bit differently, you would think I'd be talking about the J.C. Penny wish book or uh, something that you're looking through to find your Christmas presents in because it's all about the lust of our flesh fulfilling the desires of our flesh and of our mind. Do you ever really, really want something? And you thought, man, if I could just get that, and all of a sudden things turned around and you, you could buy that thing that you wanted. And you got it. You opened it up. And then you said, so what? that ever happened to anybody? I'm getting a few of these. How about some of these? Huh? Never happened to you? I think you better be careful. You might be lying there, huh? That's our nature. And Paul describes everything about your life before you were saved perfectly without giving any of the dirty details. Isn't that wonderful? That's how your testimony ought to be if you're saved today. I served myself and the world and I tried to get the things that I wanted, but now things are different because I've been made alive. You see, you either were dead, past tense, or are dead, present tense. There is no such thing as being born a Christian. There is no such thing as always having been with Christ. There is no such thing as being righteous all your life because of this thing called sin. And we come verse 4, uh, just so we don't get too depressed this morning, there's a but in verse 4, and we're changing direction here. But God, who is rich in mercy for his great love, wherewith he loved us, even when we were dead in sins, has quickened us together with Christ, by grace ye are saved, and hath raised us up together, 
and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus, that in the ages to come he might show the exceeding riches of his grace in his kindness toward us through Christ Jesus. Now that's an awful lot. There is ten lifetimes of living in those few verses that we just read. You see, we were dead in trespasses and sins. But the love of God, God who is rich in mercy, what mercy is? Mercy is receiving what you do not deserve. How many of you have ever gotten mercy? Isn't that a wonderful thing? It's like the little kid was acting up in church and finally got to the point to where Mama saw him sitting on the front row. You have to be careful when you let him sit on the front row. Right, Peter? And uh, he's big enough. He knows better now. Amen? And... uh, But she saw him sitting on the front row and he was just distracting everybody and everything. And so here comes Mama up the aisle in the middle of the service. And she picks up that little child and starts walking toward the back. Now, Junior knows what's coming. And uh, it's not going to be mercy, amen? It's going to be judgment. And uh, just on the way out, he's grabbing a hold of the door. Pray for mercy as he walks out. That's what mercy is, amen? I'm afraid he didn't receive a whole lot that day. I don't know. Just you know that, That's just a made-up story, but uh, it's happened many times. It's based on true facts. But uh, the simple thing is mercy is what God gives us. We do not deserve God's mercy. We deserve His judgment, amen? And it says... That God's mercy has brought His love to us. It wasn't just love. It is a great love wherewith He loved us. It is a love that sent Jesus down to be born of a virgin in a feed dish for oxen. That's what a manger is. I haven't seen, I don't know that I've ever seen an oxen eat, but I've, I've seen cows eat. And uh, if you ever want to go on a diet, I'll tell you what you do, is you just go to the barn before you eat and watch the cows eat and sling slobber all over the place and everything the cows do when they eat, and I promise you, you won't be hungry. I mean, it, it is not a pleasant sight. Uh... And that's where our Savior was born and laid for His cradle. Now, it'd take a lot of love for somebody to do that for you, amen? To do that for me. But Jesus did it for the whole world. And it says that He hath raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Jude. Do you get the idea of what this is talking about? He's taken us who were the children of wrath and through His mercy and His love, He has allowed us to enter heaven itself into the presence of God 
and sit down in the presence of God with Jesus, who is God. Now I say that and everybody goes, yeah, we don't get it. It's not possible for us as human beings to really comprehend what it means to be ushered into the presence of God. And, and verse 7 is a verse that just amazes me every time I read it and I want us to look at it. I mean, we talk about Jesus being born uh, at, at Christmas time and we know it wasn't really Christmas time, and, but He was born. He was born of a virgin. He was laid in the cattle's feed dish. He was neglected. He was not by his mother, of course, not by God, but as he grew up, all the religious leaders said, we don't want anything to do with you. You're not part of us. You didn't go to our schools. You, you, don't, you don't agree with us. You're not part of what we're doing. But Jesus then died on the cross for our sins. And it says that in the ages to come, he might show the exceeding riches of his grace. How? In his kindness toward us through Christ Jesus. Now this is what heaven's going to be like. If you want to know what heaven's going to be like, it says that he is going to show the exceeding riches of his grace by taking our lives, the lives of those who have believed on the Lord Jesus Christ, and showing what He did in your life to all the spectators that are in heaven, to other believers, to the angels, to everyone that is there. Now stop and think about that a minute. How much goodness of God would the angels see if God were to take your life right now and put it on a television screen? Most of us would want to crawl under the pew and go somewhere else and say, I, I don't want anybody knowing my life. But this is what heaven is going to be like, is God taking your life and showing the great things that He did through you to everyone else that is there. I'll tell you, that tells me that God is intimately interested in what goes on every day in your life. And all God's people can say to that, I mean, do you believe that? Do you believe that God is intimately interested in what is going on in your life today? What went on yesterday? What will happen tomorrow? That God cares about your thought life? He cares about what you do with your hands? He cares about where you go and the people you speak to? He cares about everything you do because He wants that to be a testimony of His great love that He has shown to you. How much of God's love does the world see in the way we live each day? 
I don't know about you, but that's a frightening thought sometimes. That is one that you you don't just sit down and say, oh yeah, that's, that's a wonderful thing. It, it's something you have to meditate on. It's something you have to think about more than just a passing thought. You've, you've got to put some... Uh, thought process in the right direction to make this thing happen. Then we come to verse 8. You see, God's love is rich. It surpasses anything and everything known to man. But God in His great love is not going to make you accept it. You know, that's one of the things about true love is no one can force it upon you. You ever think about that? Marriage is a wonderful thing because that person actually chose to be with you. I mean, think of what a privilege that is. And yet, I hear people all the time talking. Well, you know, we'll, we'll see how it works. Oh boy, you uh, better be careful there. Amen. Uh, uh, what I like to tell people is, uh, you need to just stop by and look in the mirror. Uh, you're really lucky to have somebody. Amen. You following what I'm saying? I mean, let's be honest here. Not a one of us are any prize catch, all right? They weren't standing in line on wedding day and you had to choose which one you wanted. You were awful lucky to get the one you did, amen? And here we have the God of heaven says, my love is for you. My love is for you. I care about every thought you think, every deed you do, every decision you make. And guess what? He's already described who we are. Dead in trespasses and sin. You know, there's nothing that you have ever done or ever will do that is going to shock or surprise God. He already knows about it. And He still loves you. Wow. Wish, wish I understood that more than I do. But if you'll devote your life, you'll understand it. And the next two verses... Ones, if you can quote them with me, quote them together. For by grace are ye saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. How many of you like boasters? How many of you like boasting? Oops, better be careful. We, we like, most of us like to boast just a little bit. That's back there in the first three verses, that sin nature. It's for by grace 
through faith. Grace, you have God's grace. The grace of God that bringeth salvation hath appeared unto all men. Titus 2.11 Everybody here has got grace. God is not going to force you to accept that grace. It's a choice. That's where faith comes in. I've, I've dealt with many people over the years. And, and they've told me, Pastor, uh, I know what's right and I know... What, what needs to happen? I'm just, I'm just not ready yet. Well, the problem is not grace. The problem is faith. Everybody, how do you get faith? Faith cometh by what? Hearing. And hearing by what? The Word of God. That's where you get faith. It is this book, the words of this book called the Bible that will help you sort out who and what you are and your own thought processes and will help you get past yourself so that you can accept the love of God. Sometimes it takes a lot of time to do that. I remember Uichi's story. I can pick on him. He's not here this morning. But Yukari brought him to church it was 18 months. And I remember talking to him a couple of times. And I said, uh, Yuichi, uh, would you like to talk about the Lord? And he said, Pastor, I'm not ready yet. But he kept coming. But that one Sunday, he was ready. I mean, it wouldn't have, been, it wouldn't have mattered if I preached on Mary had a little lamb. You see, God had already done the work in his heart. He literally came running down this aisle to get saved. And when I knelt beside him, I said, you wish you while you're here? He said, I want to get saved. Now that's God's working, amen? That's what faith will do to grace. If you'll give it the time and, and the ability to work. And by the way, that grace and that faith combination they only begin at the time of your salvation. Because as we deal with the struggles and the frustrations and the problems and, and all of the obstacles of living this life, those two things working together are the answer to everything you face. God's grace is always there. You know, most of us have no problems in believing God is able to do absolutely anything for somebody else. But it's much more difficult to believe that God is going to do something in my life, isn't it? You see, that's where faith becomes real. And remember, faith is not from you. And the, the best example of, of this fake faith that I know of is how many people here know what a magneto is? Has anybody ever heard of such a thing? Okay, we've got a few old timers here and somebody else that's listened to my sermons before. But um, you remember the old cars where they'd get out and they'd take the crank and they'd turn the crank in the front of the car? Well, the reason they did that was because attached to the drive shaft which they were turning 
was this little thing called a magneto. And as long as that is turning, it generates a spark that makes the spark plug spark. You see, that's why airplanes do not have um, the same ignition system that cars do. They have a magneto because as long as that plane is moving through the air, it'll move the propeller and turn the magneto, which will make a spark. And as long as you have a spark, you have a hope of keeping that airplane flying. Does that make sense, everybody? And a lot of people treat faith like a magneto. Oh, if I can just... <coughs> I'll get it going. I'll get it going. Let me tell you, that kind of faith won't last very long. You cannot hype yourself into a relationship with God. Amen? You can only pretend so long. The whole world may believe your lies. But when you look in the mirror at night, you got to be honest with who you are. You can only lie to yourself so long. The Bible says that we do deceive our own selves. But this book called the Bible take away that deception. Remember how good you used to, how much you used to think of yourself before you got saved. Man, I am such a good person. I'm trying the best I can. I'm as good as that one over there, and I'm a whole lot better than that one over there. God surely must be pleased with me. And yet you knew he wasn't. Why? Because there was no faith. Because faith doesn't come from you. It comes from God. And when you let that word come down in you and change you, you get to caring a whole lot less about you and a whole lot more about God. And to the point to where you recognize yourself for who you are, it says right here that we in time past walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air. We once served the devil. We were once enemies with God. But God's love made a difference. You accepted God's grace. What applied that grace to your life was this word called faith. That's what makes it real. Without faith, grace is still out there. It doesn't change it. You're just not connected. I mean, all through this city, you'll see those big generation plants that generate electricity. You know, one of the most wonderful things is, I am not connected to any of those wires coming out of that plant. Amen? You'd only be so for about one billionth of a second until it fried you crisp. You'd be dead. You don't want to be connected <laughs> to what's going on. But that same power comes out here and connects to the wires in the switch box downstairs and we have lights and we have heat and we have everything that we need today. You've got to get connected to God's power. But you've got to get connected the right way. Faith is what connects you, amen? It's what makes it real in your life. It's what changes 
thing. How many, how many times, I hope you never get hear, tired of hearing this, prayer does not change God. He doesn't need to be changed. Prayer changes you so that God can do what He wanted to do in the first place. I mean, that's the way it's supposed to work. Amen? And so, as we come down through here, we get to one more verse. Verse 10. It says, For we are His workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. It says we are His workmanship. We're going to have to work on getting this song on our Sunday school rotation, but it goes, He's still working on me. It took Him just a week to make the moon and the stars, the sun and the earth, and Jupiter and Mars. It says, but He's still working on me. That tells me God's a patient God, amen? One of the things I am sure that most of us have lamented at one time or another in our lives is the lack of good workmanship in goods and services today. Anybody had that problem too? Uh, I made an amazing discovery this past week. Remember that really cold day? I think it was uh, uh, Wednesday, I'm not sure, or Tuesday when it got... I mean, it was just bitter cold all day. A couple years ago, uh, I went to the man that normally works uh, on the church van for us, and I said, uh, I said, I want a good set of batteries. And he said, I'm going to get you Delco. They're the best batteries and I looked in there, and it didn't say Delco on the batteries. It had another name. And he charged us a lot of money for those batteries. And uh, I said, are those Delco batteries? Yeah, yeah, Delco makes Delphi, that, the same company. Mm -hmm. Things that are different aren't the same. And so I went out. Tuesday morning to start up the van and uh, how many could imagine what happened? Uh, I did not like lying on the sidewalk with that uh, windshield changing the battery. See, the van has two batteries. One's up top and it takes about five minutes work to change it. The other one is bolted to the frame underneath the van. And it takes about 45 minutes to get it down and another 25 to put it back up. Uh, that was not fun. You know, I was not pleased with the workmanship. Because if he had put the good batteries in, they would have handled that cold. <laughs> Even though they were three years old, uh, they would have handled it. So I went to a different place and to a different dealer and I got good batteries and hopefully they'll outlast the van but we like good workmanship in fact we're the first to stand in line and complain when the workmanship is in the inferior quality and yet when God starts 
getting out the hammer and chisel and saying, I don't like this sharp edge over here. I'm going to get rid of it. Oh, no, God, don't do that to me. That's going to hurt. He says, I know, but you'll be better when I'm done. Please. How many of you ever had to take the Band-Aid off little children? Hmm? You know what I'm talking about? Oh, no, no, it hurts, it hurts. Daddy, don't do it. It's all done. Huh? Well, look at your arm. I got it. Oh. The anticipation always exceeds the exhortation, doesn't it? Somehow we think God's messing with our lives. No, no, no. He wants you to be His workmanship. And if you're going to be His workmanship, then that means He determines what parts stay and what parts go. He, he is the one that is going to tell us how to think. God wants to tell you how to think about things. Did you know that? Discouragement and depression and all of these things that we face every day in our lives, that is not godly. The best definition of discouragement I can give you is forgetting who God is. The best definition of depression is backwards anger. And most of the time, that backwards anger is directed at God. We just don't have enough guts to admit it. Hey, wait a minute. He's the he is the crafter. I mean, I admire someone that can take a piece of wood and make something beautiful out of it. I think that is one of the most wonderful gifts they can have. And I'm not talking about just taking a... I can take a piece of board and run it through the uh, saw and, and sand it down and put a little bit of varnish on it. And, but I'm talking about somebody that... If you look at the sign, you go out there, the sign with our church name in it. The man put those letters in the sign by hand. No machines. Just a hammer and chisel. And our, our church name is long. That board's uh, over 12 foot long. And it's open door, Bible Baptist Church. He put every letter in straight, every letter in line. And, and he did it all by hand. I'm just sitting there scratching my head. Now that's workmanship, my friend. When it's done, it's beautiful. The master craftsman is God. He loves you so much that He's willing to come to you in your sin and rebellion against God and give you His grace whether you're willing to accept it or not. He'll even be patient enough with you to let faith have its work. And then you accept God's grace through faith and you get saved. But it begins there, not ends there. You know, most religion is backwards. You spend your whole life striving and working and trying to get salvation. 
Bible says, no, salvation is a gift that God gives you right now and then you can spend your whole life preparing for eternity so that God can take your life and set you up and say, look here, this is the life of Pete Montoro. This is what a worthless slob he was before he found me. This is what a mess he made out of his life. But I've taken that life. And look what I've done with it. And everybody's going to go, only God could do that. Amen? That's what it's about. But you've got to let God do the work. Amen? You've got to understand that God loves you enough that He's not going to let you just wander around and do whatever you want. You know, the worst thing that you can do to a child, absolute worst thing, just give them what they want. Just say, yes, whatever you want, I'll give it to you. Absolute most destructive thing you can do to a child's life. Because when they grow up, they'll think the whole world's about them. They'll actually believe it when they get the Daytimer's catalog that said it's all about you. It's not a thing about you. Because they won't even send you their dumb little catalog except they want you to buy something out of it. Do you ever think about that? The world always wants something in return. God says, listen, it's not all about you. It's about me. But if you come and partake of my grace, I'll make you better than you ever thought of being. In fact, I'll take the time and effort to craft your life and make your life count not only in this world, but in eternity. It says, which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. God wants your life to count. That's why he came and became a man and suffered all that he suffered on the cross because he wanted to create us in Christ Jesus unto good works. And let me tell you, God knows what's best. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we come before you this morning. Lord, we just want you to do your work in hearts and lives. We ask that you would help each one of us here today understand the simple truth that you love us and your grace is there for us. Lord, that we would understand about ourselves that we are sinners, that we have rebelled against you, that we are the servants of the devil. But if we'll allow your word to build faith in our lives, we can partake of that grace and be changed. Not just built up, not just turn over a new leaf, but a whole brand new existence through Jesus Christ. Lord, we pray for anyone in this auditorium today that is not saved. 
that you would help them understand these truths and that they would be willing to surrender to you. <coughs> Lord, pray that you would work in the lives of those who are saved. That we would let you make us your craftsmanship, your workmanship. Lord, we ask that you would do your work in this time of invitation. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's stand together. The hymn of invitation is 558. The words of the song are very simple. They just simply ask you to place your hand in the nail-scarred hand, in the hand of Jesus Christ. And if you'd be willing to do that today, if you'd be willing to trust Him as your Savior, He'll save you right here, right now. Christian, if you know you're saved and yet you've messed up, you've refused to allow Him to craft you and work you the way He wants, it's time to confess that sin and just put your hand in Jesus' hand and let Him do the work. As we sing, will you come? Have you failed in your plan of your storm-tossed life? Your hand in the nail-scarred hand. Are you weary and worn from its toil and strife? Place your hand in the nail-scarred hand. Place your hand in the nail-scarred hand. Place your hand in the nail-scarred hand. He will keep to the end. He's your dearest friend. Place your hand in the nail-scarred hand. Well, just let the piano continue to play. If you need to come, now is the... have come to pray there's still time for you if you need to come
Let's just take your hymn books for a minute. We don't want to rush anyone who's praying. Just want you to look through those words of that third verse with me. It says, Would you follow the will of the risen Lord? 558, if you need the words. It says, Just place your hand in the nail-scarred hand. It says, Would you live in the light of His blessed Word? Then just place your hand in the nail-scarred hand. It's that simple today. It's just trusting in the Lord Jesus Christ. If you've done that, you know what a joy it is. Amen? If you haven't, you don't need to leave this place struggling. You can surrender. You say, I'm afraid to walk up that aisle. Jesus wasn't afraid to walk down Calvary's road for you. We love it here. It's the greatest thing you can do. You will not get anybody looking at you funny. If they do, you tell me and we'll straighten that one out. Amen? We want you to come. Just going to have the my wife play through one more verse. And if no one comes, then we'll be done. Let's just bow our heads where we are. And if you need to come, this is your verse. The last one. It just says, throw your heart open wide and let the Savior come in. God's people said, Amen. You may be seated. And I pray and trust that you are living your life hand in hand with the Savior. And let's take just a moment uh, before the offering. Just want to remind you, Saturday... We'll have our regular Thursday night service. We're dealing with the prophecies about Jesus Christ. We'll be dealing with his death and hopefully the resurrection on uh, this Thursday night. Uh, We may not get through all of that. And then uh, Saturday uh, is Christmas Eve. And we will be having a Christmas Eve service. We'll be doing things just a little different Saturday night at 7.30. And uh, we'll be looking forward to just spending that time worshiping the Lord together. It's the Christmas holiday, and who's the first one we forget? Lord Jesus. It's a great way to start. I promise you we'll be careful with the time. Uh, We'll not be doing a lot of uh, extras. It'll be just coming in and singing praises and special music and right into the message And we want to give the Lord uh, that opportunity to work in our lives. And then Christmas Day is on a Sunday this year. And so what we will do is we'll have our regular service 1030 in the morning. And again, I want to invite you to 
be there. It's going to be a little different format than our normal Sunday service. We're going to be starting at 1030 and, and uh, kind of just going right through. And so we'll probably get done just a little earlier than we normally do, but uh, want you to strive to be there at 1030 if at all possible, and then uh, to give you some extra time with your family. Uh, we'll just uh, uh, not have the evening service on, on Christmas Sunday at 6 o'clock, but uh, we, we will be doing something special in the morning and then follow the other services. Um, there are some letters here, and uh, I have a uh, uh, photograph that was actually sent from uh, Petty Officer Timothy Beal. He goes by Devlin. That's his code name, I guess. And uh, I have that up here in the pulpit if anybody wants to take a look at that. Uh, he, he said he was just greatly encouraged by the letter that was in there, and so much so he called us 3.30 in the morning. And uh, he kept apologizing for that. I said, I'm just glad I woke up and got the call. And uh, so uh, you pray for uh, Devlin or Timothy Beal, however you want to call him, and uh, you pray for him and the others that receive the gifts, the greatest thing we can do for those that are over there is pray for them and do these little things of encouragement. And I hope that uh, come spring, couple of months, uh, we'll be able to do something again like this. And uh, I found out that the, uh, he told the Army sergeant that we got in contact with, he gave me an address that said Afghanistan, but it was Iraq. And so the Marines are in Iraq, and uh, but uh, uh, they, I guess, I hope those heavy insulated socks will do them well in the desert. But it, it is getting colder now, and some of them are up in the mountains and things. But uh, we, we just praise the Lord. We've gotten a really good response, several letters already, and, and I'm sure there'll be more to follow. All right, let's have our ushers come and receive the morning's offering.
Brother Nacino, would you ask God to bless the offering? And uh, we want to take just a moment before we dismiss the services and uh, recognize a few visitors. Uh, let's see, Rita brought the cousin, the, no, it's the cousins, right, from Florida, and we're glad you guys are with us. And uh, if you think you came a long way, uh, now we have Brother Saeed. I'm not going to try to pronounce your last name, I'm sorry. Uh, he's originally from Pakistan, but uh, he is attending church uh, a Baptist church in Bangkok and the missionary called me a couple weeks ago and said that they were here and they're here with their two children uh, I think I don't know if you have the record but you're really close to the person who came the farthest away just to attend church here and uh, so uh, we praise the Lord and uh, Sarah's violin teacher is also with us today she's sitting right there beside behind Pam and uh, let me see and other uh, I know Jennifer, your mom is here, and uh, we praise the Lord that uh, she's able to be with us. And uh, I'm sorry I forgot your name, but he told me he was with Jennifer and not to hold that against him, and we told him we wouldn't. Amen. And, uh, and then I believe it's Natalie is right up here. She's visiting with us today. And so uh, let me see here. Did I forget anybody? Um, pardon? Oh, yes, and Leah's friend from Romania. We're glad that she's with us, and uh, we're praising the Lord. Carmen had the day off and was able to bring her husband, and the family's with us, and uh, it's good to see Denzel again. Let me see now. Did I miss anybody? Uh, I think I got everybody this morning, and uh, we praise the Lord for each one that is here. Just want to take a minute and recognize some of our special guests today. And so let's stand together as we're dismissed. 705, if you need the words. Let's take the name of Jesus with us as we leave. Take the name of Jesus with you, child of sorrow and of woe. It will joy and comfort give you. Take it then wherever you go. Precious name, oh, how sweet. Hope of earth and joy of heaven, precious name, oh, how sweet. Hope of earth and joy of heaven. Thank you for being with us this morning.